If you have your Bibles with you, uh, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at one verse today to kick off our new year. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1. As technology continues to prove, improve, it's fascinating to me what becomes obsolete. And I'll show you just a little bit of my weirdness growing up. When I was a kid, um, I really loved the band Reliant K. Anybody know Reliant K? Is it just me? Reliant K? All right. And they had this album called Mm-hmm. And I loved this album so much that I thought I need to buy two because I'm going to wear this album out, and 10 years from now, I'm going to want to listen to it. Little did I know, music would be so easily accessible on our phones, like the CD. I don't even have the CD anymore, because I don't even need the CD anymore. Technology has uh, drastically improved. And it's crazy to look at what my dad grew up with. I remember him telling me the story about when they first got AC put in their house. It's like, how old are you? you? You haven't had AC at one point in your life? And to think about it, what my kids are going to grow up not needing, what's going to become obsolete for my children. Now, I was thinking about it, what my kids are never going to have to worry about, as long as they have a smartphone or a car, they're never going to have to worry about getting lost. They will always be able to find the direction to where they need to go. And in fact, probably, what's probably going to happen is they're not going to have to drive there one day. Pretty soon, when they're old enough to drive, they're probably just going to be able to type it in their car, and they're going to go. They're not going to have to remember landmarks or anything like that. When I was learning how to drive, I had to print out MapQuest. Anybody do MapQuest, and you have to follow the directions? When I was a kid, my parents had maps in the car, so I remember going on vacations and having to pull out the map to figure out where we were. What their parents did, I don't know, follow the North Star? I'm not sure how they got around. But it's interesting, because finding your way... Being lost and finding your way is a skill that has taken place. And I have a picture, actually, of the North Star, because that is how people have been able to find their way throughout centuries. Because if you can figure out your location directionally, you can start to figure out where you need to go. But knowing how to get somewhere and where to go are two different things. Knowing how to get somewhere and where to go are two different things. One takes instruction the other takes wisdom. Knowing where you should go takes wisdom. And scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, I know many of us have the traditional New Year's meal ready to go. My family could use whatever is attributed to health. Is it cabbage? Is that what it is? We need a lot of cabbage because all my kids are throwing up. I know you have that ready to go, but this year, what I think that we should start our year off in is understanding the fear of the Lord. And we're going to look at this in four ways today. We're going to define what it means to fear the Lord. We're going to ask, what is wisdom? How do I get wisdom? And then lastly, we're going to look at a wisdom that saves. So I'm going to read Proverbs 1, uh, 1 through 7 for us just to get our minds around it. But we're really just going to be looking at verse 7 today. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning 
And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, whenever we hear that phrase, the fear of the Lord, I'm sure we have some sort of reaction to it. When I worked in insurance, I had this coworker. He really did not like the idea of the fear of the Lord because he thought of it as bullish or domineering. It seemed opposite of what he had been taught to fear the Lord that did not compute or comprehend to him. And we could spend a lot of time unpacking what it means to fear the Lord throughout Scripture. There are a lot of different instances. But there's one, I think, particular instance here, what it means for us to fear the Lord. And it's this, that we know our place before the God of the universe and act accordingly. Meaning all that I am comes from outside of myself, knowing that I'm not the author of my own existence and I'm not the author of what is good and what is not good. That last one, I'm not the author of what is good and what is not good. The Lord is. So to fear the Lord is to come under his headship, to to make him Lord. It's to come under him reverently and worshipfully. The book of of Deuteronomy is a collection of Moses' kind of final sermons to the Israelites. And we read it this morning. I want to read it again for us out of Deuteronomy 10. He says this, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So the fear of the Lord then is in in two parts. It's first a position. We position ourselves under the Lord's leadership, but then it's also a posture of how we act. To fear the Lord then is to walk in obedience, to love him, to serve him, to observe the Lord's commandments and decrees. And this is what the Bible says is a wise life. A wise life is one that fears the Lord and walks in this way. I mean, in 2023, who does not want to make better decisions? To grow in our marriages or in our relationships, to connect deeply with a church community. And the scriptures say to start this way, to grow in your relationships, to grow as a person, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. So, What is wisdom? First, we saw what to fear the Lord is, is to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve him. Second question is, what is wisdom? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then it would be wise to seek him. James tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, to ask the Lord, and he'll give it generously without finding fault. We might know whenever you think of a wise person, if I asked you, who is someone that's been wise in your life, will instantly come up with someone. For me, it's my mom. I have watched my mom handle difficult situation after difficult situation, and my father too. My father is a really wise man. And what can seem to happen is that these people just have this wisdom innately built up within them. It's like something that they were blessed with, they have wisdom, and some of us don't. But what we see from Scripture is that wisdom comes generously from the Lord to those who ask. Wisdom comes for those who seek him. Now, there are two types of wisdom that gets outlined in Scripture, wisdom that comes from the Lord and wisdom that does not. And James will say, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. 
Proverbs will say, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So wisdom then would be to do what is right, just and fair. Which means that two things for wisdom. One, that it comes from the Lord. And then two, it's a daily exercise of ourselves. It's a daily exercise of the Lord's disciplines. I mean, consider some of the Proverbs, some of our favorite Proverbs that we have. Um, Let me think of one of mine. Mine is... um, Someone who grabs a dog by the tail is one that enters into an argument that is not their own. Or a fool that repeats his folly is like a dog that returns to his vomit. I have a dog thing, I guess, with the Proverbs that I like. Now, there's a balance here because this is a skill that we can learn. And we get this idea from the Hebrew root word for wisdom is hokmah. Now, let me show you what hokmah is often translated to in the scriptures. Exodus 36, 12, it's translated to the skill of the craftsmen that worked in the tabernacle. Psalm 107, it's the skill of the seasoned mariners. First Kings, it's the skill of administrative abilities. In 2 Samuel, it's the skill of the wise counselor. And it's the same word that's used for wisdom. So what we learn then is that wisdom is a skill that is developed. A skill that as we fear the Lord... We listen to his decrees and his commandments. We orient our lives around him that wisdom is something that can be gained from and given by the Lord. I mean, consider it. When you are tempted to just escalate things between you and your spouse or you and a coworker or you want to get on social media and just blast somebody, consider the proverb 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. I was pulling into the Lowe's parking lot one day, and I don't know what happened, but I park, and this guy zooms up, and he starts screaming at me, because apparently I'd cut him off, but I I didn't realize that I did, and I said, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize that I did that, and you know what he did? He instantly diffused down. Now, it was just because it caught me off guard. I didn't know what to do. But can you imagine if I would have escalated that situation? The situation would continue to escalate. Wisdom, then, from Scripture is a way, that a skill that's learned that we can develop into our lives to have a a wise life. And it starts by fearing the Lord. And when we fear the Lord, we go to his ways, his decrees, and what he's commanded. And so this is the question, then, for us is where are you in this? Where are you in your process of following and fearing the Lord? Do you heed his wisdom and instruction? Do you come under his rule and his lordship? You see, the the three most terrifying words that Adam had to hear in the garden was, where are you? Can you imagine Adam in that moment? I mean, blood rushing to his head, ears getting hot, I imagine his stomach is dropped, and he's hiding because he knows that he has messed up. And what was Adam's sin? Was it that he ate from the tree? Yes, it's that, but it's much more than that. It's that he did not listen to the Lord. He did not live by the Lord's wisdom and instruction. And so when we don't live by the Lord's wisdom and we live by our own wisdom, it does three things. First, It distorts our view of ourself, it distorts our view of others, and it distorts our view of God. 
It distorts the view of ourselves by when we don't fear the Lord, we remove him from his throne and we place us there. We determine what is good and right. What's Adam's immediate reaction to being exposed in sin? It's to hide. It distorts his view of himself. The second, it distorts the view of others. Who does Adam blame when he's caught? It says, the woman the woman. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. When you live by the wisdom, it's not my fault, it's her fault. But you know what he does? He doubles down even further. And he says, the woman that you gave me. It distorts our view of God as well. When we start to determine what is good and right in our own eye, and we take it, and we live by our wisdom instead of the Lord's. So let me ask it again. Where are you? The start of 2023. Now, if we pulled the room, I'd imagine there's half of us that are like all on the New Year's resolution. We got the ham and the cabbage and the black eyed peas ready. And you're not superstitious, but you are a little stitious. So anything will help. You're going for it, right? But then you got people on the other side, like we ain't making no resolutions. Like I'm just living my life full throttle wherever I go, whatever I want to do. But what's interesting, if if we think about it, if the Lord is the Lord of our life and we fear the Lord, what does Jesus tell us about following him? It's to pick up our cross and follow him, right? So in that instance, then, if we're not being confronted with something in our life, if there's something that we don't feel that needs to be changed, if there's not an area of growth that needs to happen, who's at fault here? I mean, we know we're not Jesus, right? We know we we haven't experienced the perfect resurrected body. There's something within us all that should be under the Lord's lordship continually, that be shaping the way that we think, that we speak, that we serve, that we love. You see, if your New Year's resolution is to start a Bible reading plan, ah, good on you. Let's do it. Let's do it together. It's, It's great to hide the Lord's word in our heart. But if, if it's just an exercise that you can check a religious box off your list, then you've missed it. The Bible is full of wisdom and life that it gives you to change and shape the way that we do. But is that all that wisdom is? I mean, at this point, wisdom just seems like a, a couple of exercises that we could do uh, that gives us better decisions on life. It makes the Bible out to be nothing more than just kind of like an instruction manual but we know it's more than that. Let me show you how wisdom changes in Proverbs 8, and it takes on a whole new level of meaning for us. Turn over to Proverbs 8 if you'd like to. Uh, This is fascinating. And we could probably do a whole sermon series on Lady Wisdom, but for our purposes this morning, there's just two things that I, I want you to see. First, in Proverbs 8, in verse 12, it changes. Wisdom becomes personified. It becomes a person. And it says this, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. So who is wisdom? Wisdom is the one that fears the Lord. Wisdom is the one that does this rightly. Counsel and sound judgment are whose? Wisdom's. I have insight, I have power. 
by my kings by me kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just by me princes govern and nobles all who rule the earth but then it switches so wisdom becomes personified personified but then it becomes authoritative notice this in starting in verse 22 the lord brought me forth as the first of his works Before his deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago. At the very beginning, when the world came to be, when there were no watery depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. What is wisdom describing here? When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle of the deep, I was there. What is wisdom describing? It's a creation account. Now, who do we know is at the beginning of the creation account from the very beginning of all time? Is it not Jesus? In the beginning was the word. And through, there was nothing that was made that did not come from the power of the word. Paul is just gonna come out right out and say it in 1 Corinthians. He says that Jesus is the wisdom and the power of God. So here's where we just land the plane here this morning. We can acquire all the wisdom we can by learning wise sayings. We can acquire and shape the skill of being prudent and wise. And at the same time, we can leave out Jesus and we'll miss the true wisdom of the Lord. To fear the Lord is to come to true wisdom in Jesus. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians. He says this, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So for for God, the wisdom of God is the cross. Doesn't That sound bizarre. The wisdom of God is the cross. Why? Because Proverbs 8, when wisdom is uh, taking on this role, it becomes personified. He says that God delights in the children of men. Hebrews 12 says, it's for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So when we think about living by our own wisdom, and it distorts the view of ourself, how we can tend to live our life and to say, oh, man, I don't like myself. How could God even like me? I don't like the decisions that I make. How could God have any joy in me? What, what is there any good in me? There is no good, but God says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. You need to have a right view of yourself that Christ came to save sinners. And that means he came to save you and he came to save me. Second, it distorts the view of others, which means that coming under Christ's wisdom, how much 
Christ, Jesus, loves even our worst enemy. Think about Jonah, the Ninevites. They're evil people. We learned a few years ago when we went through that series that the Ninevites, they would skin people alive and hang them on the city walls to terrify their opponents. And God sends Jonah where? To them. Why? Because he loves them. He loves them. The Lord loves you. And when we live by the Lord's wisdom, we know that the Lord loves us, he loves others, and that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what skill of wisdom we develop and things just go wrong, things just go bad, the wisdom of the Lord tells me that by the power and wisdom of Christ Jesus on the cross, that he is making all things new. And that means that all things can work together for my good because I love him. That means even the shame that I have that I bring before the Lord. That it means the stupid decisions that I make that I can repent and come to the Lord and all becomes good. It's all for my good in Christ Jesus because one day he's making all things new. All things new. I want to end with a story of someone that has lived by uh, the Lord's wisdom uh, you will recognize the name, but you might not know her story. Fanny Crosby, if you open our hymn book, uh, she will have um, a lot of hymns that are attributed to Fanny. She wrote more than 9,000 hymns. Uh, some uh, most popular among us would might be Blessed Assurance. Fanny wrote that, Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She wrote so many that she was forced to use pen names so that Hymnal fillers would use her hymns still, and it just wouldn't all be Fanny Crosby. But what's most remarkable about her is that she did all of this while she was blind. Uh, she was born in Putnam County, New York, uh, and when she was two months old, she became ill. And unfortunately, her family doctor was out of town. They called in this new doctor who was a total quack. He did not know what he was doing. He applied some cream uh, to Fanny's eyes, which made her go blind. And she remained blind for the rest of her life. Now, because uh, she got blind, uh, her mother had to work because her father, two months later, also had passed away. And she was raised by her Christian grandmother. Now, Fanny, even from a young age, she would memorize five chapters of the Bible a week. She could recite the Pentateuch, the Gospels, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon in many psalms, chapter and verse. It's incredible. Now, one day at a church, a minister looked at Fanny and said, I think it is a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered so many other gifts upon you. You know what she said? She responded, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind because when I get to heaven, the first face I shall see will be my savior. That's a particular wisdom that allows someone to say that, to, to orient their lives in, in that much faithfulness and joy to the Lord. They submit themselves that even in their blindness, they are content and satisfied in Christ Jesus, that when they open their eyes, he will be the first face that they see. So what does this mean for us as a church uh, this new year?
I would say that it would be wise and prudent for us to evaluate our lives. See, where are we? How, how do we have a distorted view of ourselves or of others or of God? And then come under the Lord's wisdom and lordship. What areas of your life need growth? There are three ways that scripture invites us to grow. It's by the Lord's spirit, by his word, and by his church. It's by his church. It's coming together as a body of believers. What are areas of your life that you're not living in the fear of the Lord? Where do you need to confess this to the Father who loves you? And if anything, let's start by memorizing Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all that you do, and he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil and it will be healing and refreshment for your bones.